Beards for Radio. What's up, Sasha? Hey, Joe. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to you, too. And uh, welcome back to another <clears throat> welcome back to another episode of Beards for Radio. Hopefully, everybody can stay awake through this episode. I know we had some issues last time, but this time around, we do have some college football to discuss. Yes, man. Why don't you start off with your Michigan State Spartans? Because I want to reserve stuff for the Wolverines. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, um, maybe a bit of a surprise to a lot of people that Utah State was able to come into East Lansing and really put up more of a fight than a lot of people would think. Um, you know, they put up over 300 yards passing, um, I think over a hundred yards rushing on MSU's defense, which is probably the most surprising part of the game. But overall, I wasn't disappointed with Michigan State as weird as that might sound. Um, there were some issues I saw, like we had some goal line penalties, uh, two on the one yard line. One of them was on third down on their first drive. And then Lewerke got sacked on the next play. So you take away what could potentially just be like a one yard touchdown run, get sacked, have to attempt a field goal in the fourth quarter, a touchdown pass to Cody White was wiped away because of, uh, an illegal motion. And that was on the one-yard line. Then they didn't convert, then had to kick a field goal. So right away, those were probably the biggest issues were um, just stupid penalties I saw from Michigan State. Um, But for Utah State, like, they run that kind of quick offense. Like, they didn't really have any big plays on Michigan State's defense. Like, they didn't have any big oh, – I don't think they had any plays over 20 yards against Michigan State. It was all like dink and dunk, quick screens, you know, no huddle, hurry up offense. And I like it when Michigan State plays those type of teams in the offseason because it does prepare them for a few Big Ten teams that run it, like Northwestern. I think we'll see Purdue kind of do that a little bit more as they get more experienced. So I think that's good experience, and I'm not super disappointed. Like, if there was a game to knock off the rust, it's week one. and in college football, the biggest improvements come between week one and week two. Um, I want to see better decision-making from Brian Lewerke. I thought um, in the first half he could have taken a sack. He did throw the ball in the dirt. I thought it was going to be intentional grounding, but the ref called it a fumble for some reason. And, you know, it, it is kind of smart to throw the ball away, but do it more convincingly, you know? Don't leave it up to the ref. Yeah. To to make that decision call. Like either take the sack or throw it ten miles into the stands. But don't just like flick it in the dirt. Cause like we saw, that was maybe should have been called intentional. But still you gotta make the better decision. Then he threw uh in the third quarter, he threw at a wide receiver that was falling down. It got picked, got taken to the house, and then all of a sudden what was a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter suddenly shrunk to a three-point lead and you know you got you got a more stressful opener than you want on your hands um and then um the offensive line was probably the biggest concern for me but 
Starting left tackle, Cole Chewins did not play. Um, undisclosed injury on his part. Started every game in 2017, I believe, as a redshirt freshman. So I want to see the goal line penalties cleaned up. I want to see better O-line protection. Hopefully when Cole Chewins comes back. And I want to see better decision-making by Brian Lewerke. Um, a lot of people will make uh, stuff out of LJ Scott's stats. You know, he only put up 84 yards. But it seemed like they really tried to get him the ball a lot in the first half, and then in the second half they kind of moved away from it, which I support. Like, the biggest takeaway for me busted in-game. After State's first like they didn't look as effective on offense the rest of the game, I thought. And the offense, they could move the ball at will. They had some issues in the red zone with penalties, taking sacks. And then the decision making by Brian Lewerke. But they scored when they needed to. I think they still have that clutch gene in them, and they do know how to pull out close games. And I think that's encouraging. And Lewerke, you didn't see him run, I don't think, at all in the first half. I think he maybe had one or two QB sneaks on third and one or second and short, you know. But then in the second half, we see him take off on third and long, second and long, breaking off runs of 27. And what I really liked was on their last touchdown drive for Michigan State, they started running the option, which I haven't seen in the Mark D'Antonio era. And it worked. It worked really well. We have Brian Lewerke, like, tossing it to Connor Hayward or Daryl Stewart or taking it himself. And I'm not upset that they didn't go to it earlier in the game because they did win the game, and that's what's important. But it seemed like another dimension that, they can add to this offense that they didn't have last year that they've never had in Mark D'Antonio's era is the option attack, which is, is new. I don't think I've seen it at Michigan state in, I don't know, 13 years since Drew Stanton was quarterback, you know? Um, and then of course, uh, Michigan state's wide receivers. I can't say enough about them. Cody white. He just gets open. He makes big plays. Felton Davis had two or three highlight reel catches and he comes up big in crunch time. Like you'll on the last drive, he had a he had a great catch on third and long to set up a touchdown run by Connor Hayward. He had a great catch in the corner of the end zone to end the first half. And Daryl Stewart, he'll get his touches. He got a lot on Friday night. Got got a lot of like screen passes, jet sweeps. I think I need to see better blocking from the wide receivers. But overall, impressed by the wide receiver play most of all. And yeah, I'd like to see them. Hold, hold teams to less than 31 points. But I did want to see the offense average more than 24 points a game this year. And I think they're off to a good start with 38. So um, I guess that's my take on Michigan State. I don't really have a lot more to say on them. I just got to let you sucks. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Joe Bocci's the man, bro. That was just the inside joke between me and you, Joe. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Can you hear? Can you hear me? Um, no. I got to mirror what you said. Um, I think he could have made a better decision, but then again, I I felt like he was getting pressured more than you know he's had in the past. So um, yeah, but who I noticed the most out of is Felton Davis, dude. He is just one hell of a wide receiver. Um, making that touchdown catch that I thought was definitely going to get dropped or definitely going to be called out of bounds. So, you know, and 
for LJ Scott only running for 84 yards, that was a hard 84 yards he ran. So, um, you know, I can't say too much, you know, of LJ Scott's performance because I don't mind LJ Scott's performance. Not at all. I think he um, just was being a power back like mm-hmm. he usually is. But, yeah, I can't say too much more about Michigan State. Um, I, I said it. Joe Bocci was everywhere, dude. I, I, he's, he's a good linebacker. You got to give credit where credit is due. But, yeah, Michigan State's looking good. If they can add, like you said, if they can add the option, you know, it's going to add another dynamic, you know, another way for, um, you know, teams to have to scheme their defenses against Lewerke. So I think uh, Michigan State's on a good track. I don't think, you know, being down to the Aggies that much was really that bad because, you know what, it, it, it gave them reps. You know, it got them in like you said, knock the rust off. We got him in, you know, a competitive mode. So they kind of know what to expect going forward. And more people come back. Like you said, they get added an option. It just adds a whole another dynamic. And Utah State. State isn't a bad program. Like, they're not name recognition by any means, but they're, they've been to a bowl game nine of the last ten years, and they've been to a conference, which is, you know, you know, we have the Power Five conference. I think they're, like, the sixth or seventh out of out of the all of the conferences like that's not that's not a sham team by any means oh most definitely not but yeah well that's our take on michigan state now we can move a little bit lower to university of michigan wolverines now i know they you know there was they played a 12 you know seed from a 14 but i didn't see Anything that makes me think that this season isn't going to go like the last two Harbaugh seasons. I said this before. The past two years, he's had this recruit battle with the transfer battles with the quarterbacks, and they do the same thing. Oh, we're not going to say who's starting until the you know the very very last minute. Oh, it's going to be Shea Patterson. Well, no shit. <laughs> we all knew it was going to be Shea Patterson, but what we didn't know is that. We, I didn't know he was going to not live up to his expectations as much as he did. I didn't see really nothing from Shea Patterson that's going to show me that this is the guy that's going to take us over the hump. I did not see that. Uh, he, he couldn't see over the line. He There was a tight end wide open in the end zone. He didn't even see him. Uh, he cramped up. He wasn't making good decisions. He, he threw that interception. He forces uh, – a lot of times he doesn't know when to run uh, and when to stay in the pocket. Um, it seemed like he was very scatterbrained out there. And um, when he went out for a play for cramps, you know, they brought McCaffrey in and then they took McCaffrey right out. And then that same play, the next play, he cramps up and almost, you know, sacks himself. Yeah. I just, I just want to like question, like, what, what are they doing? N- nobody's re- going to recover from cramps. From from one uh one down out, you know what I'm saying? You got cramps, bro. You got to get some fluids in you. You got to punch the cramp or something. You know, not come right back in and cramp up right away. And then they put McCaffrey in. And to McCaffrey's credit, being a young man, he looked calm. He, he looked like he was ready for the moment. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking like, okay, cool. You know, this guy, this kid comes from uh, you know. A, a great stock of uh, athletes, you know, his brother and his brothers in that stock as well. You know what I'm saying? His dad, his mom was a, a, a track uh, athlete. 
So I'm thinking like, okay, this kid knows. I'm thinking his dad's probably told him his whole life. His mom's probably told him his whole life. His brother's probably told him his whole life. Seize the moment. If you're given that moment, seize it. I felt like McCaffrey was going to be ready to seize the moment. And then they throw Shea Patterson right back in. I don't under I don't understand what Harbaugh's thinking is. If something doesn't work, he like sticks with it, sticks with it, sticks with it. Does this conservative play, you know, doesn't go long, like long one time in Nico Collins. And then it's just like these dink and dunk plays, you know what I'm saying? And it, and it doesn't work. And he's trying to do this hurry up offense after they're down 14 nothing in the first, you know, in the first quarter. And it's, you know, it's not building any kind of, camaraderie, stop bringing any kind of chem- chemistry with the, his, uh, his players are getting with each other. And then you flip it over to the defensive side, which uh, which I was least worst about, uh, least worried about because 9 out of 11 starters are coming back to a defense that's supposedly supposed to be the number one in uh, the secondary. And then you got Ufinovich coming back. You got Geary, two bookends. You know, you don't got that bad of a line. You got good middle middle linebackers. And for them to let up back-to-back touchdowns in the first two drives for Notre Dame, to me, is unspeakable, man. Because if you're going to come on the backs of your defense, I expected a learning curve, and I expected bumps from the offense. I get it. New quarterback, you guys are trying to do something new, something different, boatload of talent on on running back and quarterback. You got, like, three uh, big old tight ends. I expected learning curbs from there for uh, for Shea Patterson, not on a defensive end. The defensive end, they came they came out the second half and played a little better, but the damage was done first half, you know. And and, and then now another another uh, uh, trying to claw their way back up, you know, and they get close, and then, uh, then Notre Dame pulls away, and you know it, it seems to me. Michigan is the same flipping narrative. At least the first year, I saw a little fire in Jim Harbaugh. He looked like scatterbrained on the sideline, like, why does this always happen to me type look on his face. And it's just like, I, 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 you, Michigan, you can no longer, no longer go on this bravado of you are the winningest program in all of uh, college football history because it's about the now. It's not about the then. It's about the now. I want to know. I want. I want what's going on now. I don't want to talk about then. You know what I'm saying? I'll talk about then when I'm 90 years old in a rocking chair. Mm-hmm. You know, and one foot in the grave. That's what I'll talk about then. Right now, it's about the now to me. I want to see Michigan win now. And and I understand that they lose to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was what 12th. They're yeah. ranked 12th. Michigan 14th. And I get that. It's it, it, you're, you're playing a. a a tighter, you know, competition, a harder competition. But if you look in the Big Ten, man, only Big Ten teams to lose their openers were Michigan and Purdue. Every other Big Ten team won. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for not beating Notre Dame if everybody's is saying that you are a contender for the playoffs. Beating Notre Dame should not be a, a an excuse. You know what I'm saying? Be like, okay, everyone's like, well, you, you know, Michigan State played a high school team. Does it matter? We're playing Western fucking next week. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm worried about the fucking game. I'm worried about PJ Flex, Roro Roro Boat culture still freaking being there. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm worried about. You know what I'm saying? Because to be honest with you, I don't trust Michigan to even beat a Western team at this point. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like they still had the same friggin' conflicts at quarterback. I don't care what any homer, slappy idiot who drinks the friggin' Kool-Aid has to say. <laughs> there's a problem at the quarterback position. There always has been. Harbaugh doesn't big up his kids. It hasn't been happening. I have not seen any kind of development. And, it, 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 and you know, as a Michigan fan, whether some people like to believe it or not, I'm pissed off about it. It's annoying to me that I'm seeing this kind of, I don't know, product on the field Saturday. I, 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 I can go spend my, my Saturdays doing other stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My Sundays are reserved for you, Joe, and for, uh, for talking, shoot. Right, you know, right. Saturdays, I can go do other shit. I go do other stuff. I don't want to watch this garbage on the field. And, and it's pissing me off, man. And, you know, they make this Wimbush kid look like he's Mike Vick out there. This guy has a 49% completion rating, throwing dimes, running, you know, uh, for first downs when it's needed, doing the smart things, running when he's needed to run, throwing when he's needed to be throwing. And some of his throws, yeah, they're up there, but his wide receivers came down with them. So, I don't know. I just need to see something way more than just this conservative offense. I need to see uh, better defense, not, not dumb choices like Vinovich's. I think his roughing the passer was the biggest play of the game. Yeah, I think if if we don't get roughing, we roughing the passer. I think they don't score that drive, and and it's easier for the offense to you know not run their quick, 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 and set up slow down, and and shake and read the field and understand what's going on. They can find the chemistry and they can find the flow, but they didn't. It's not what they did. And of course, dude, like I always said, he has now this red shirt uh, rule where you can give guys three, four games now, and they can still keep the red shirt. Take advantage of that. Start cycling in these players. He ran with the same five front that whole frigging game. One time was when the, when the center lost his helmet, they brought the backup in. And then they brought him right back out. He's running with the same five guys, dude. And just like start start cycling in players, start rotating in players, get them acclimated, understand their best fit. Because those that understand football know that you're not just gonna go up there with the same guys every time, go run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and it's gonna work out. Unless you're like Alabama or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Michigan's not on that level yet. So they need to find more talent and more more positions, start rotating people in. You know, and not just sticking with the same mundane. Like, it, it, it's stale to me. It's like the same song and dance I've seen the past three seasons with Jim Harbaugh, dude. And I'm I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired. I want to see something more. I don't see that Shea Patterson's going to be this quarterback to end. You know what I'm saying? Start start scaring these kids up. Start shocking. Like, listen, you can lose your job. I'm going to start put more people in whether or not you you win or lose because your formula is not working right now something's wrong and and like i like i told you joe they don't beat notre dame man they're not going to beat wisconsin they're not going to be michigan state they're not going to beat penn state and they're not going to beat ohio state man they're gonna have a four or five loss season dude and you know and it and it is what it is i think i think he just i think he just sticks to what he knows and does not deviate you know what I'm saying? What worked in what worked in Stanford, what worked in San Francisco might not work in Ann Arbor. Change it up a little bit, man. It's just the same old, you know, don't throw on the khakis and all of a sudden you become uh, 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 Bo, Bo Shemmy Jr. You know what I'm saying? It's Make your own identity. Be be your own dude. You know what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. there's, I can't say nothing 
uh, more about Michigan. It, it pisses me off. I didn't like their like their showing. People are saying, "Oh well, you know, they're that's that's only one." So now he has to go undefeated in my eyes to even salvage this season right now. Yeah, I thought that's my take on Michigan. The offense it, at, towards the end, it looked like they didn't know what position they were in. Like they had an opportunity if they were quick to like go down and tie the game. They were taking their time with under three minutes left. They let lots of seconds tick off the clock that didn't need to be ticked off the clock. Like if they just hurry it up, then it would have been better. You know, I thought the play calling was too conservative. Um, Like you mentioned that D shot to Collins that worked. And then we didn't see it again. We didn't see that. Like, I don't know. I thought we were supposed to see big play Shea and we didn't see, we saw like one. I thought, I thought he did well on the rollout, you know, like throwing to tight ends, dumping off to running backs. But Michigan, like the last two years, has been too reliant on the running backs and tight ends. It's been almost 365 days since a U of M wide receiver has caught a touchdown pass. That's unacceptable. No, absolutely, Joe. Like I said, I'm, I'm sick of seeing it. He needs to do something. He needs to shake his system up a little bit. I don't know what's going on over there, but these kids, they just look scatterbrained. Um, like Rashawn Carey was nowhere, and he was running his butt off. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, Bush sit there and damn near, you know, got injured, came back in, flying around, trying to make a play, got kind of banged up again. You know what I'm saying? He's playing, he's playing like, like, you know, out of his mind, he's playing. Look, look like he's playing with all heart. You know, what I'm saying all heart, and it sucks. He got banged up that game. You know, how's it going to transition to next game? Right, right. You know? So it's it's to me, everyone's like, oh, this Don Brown. You're like, I didn't, I, I didn't, I haven't seen no good defense from Don Brown since we've had Jabril. Man. <laughs> you know, and it's and it, it's sad to say. But really, I haven't seen nothing. I think he's got to fix his third down defense because everybody calls him Dr. Blitz. He loves to blitz. Well, on third and long, like, that's not always the solution. Like, you saw Notre Dame convert on third down after third down after third down. Like, you can blitz all to your heart's content, but it's not going to work every time just because you love to blitz. Like, I don't know. I I think that's an entertaining style of defense, but it can sometimes be flawed. Yeah, well, it bit them in the ass, man. And they, like I said, they made they made Wimbush look like he was Mike Vick in his uh, prime at uh, Virginia Tech. So, I feel like I feel like Michigan State is on a good path. They need to, you know, you know, fix some things here and there. The offensive line, Lewerke, you know, maybe slowing down. I think that's that contributes to the offensive line a little bit. And Michigan, man. Uh, 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 I don't know. They need to get the quarterback situation figured out. I feel like I feel like this is last year, Joe. I feel like this is last year, and I was saying the same thing. You need to get the quarterback situation figured out, man, because it's this recruit against transfer battle, and it and it's and it's cancerous. It's a cancerous little like I don't know if it's a feud or a little what that what's going on, but it's cancerous, man. And like they need to figure it out because this, this is the same narrative it's been since James. Since Jimmy Harbaugh has been in town. Yeah, for Michigan State, I just want to see them let Lewerke loose. You know, um, I don't need to see the running game forced. If the running game is working, it's working. But if it's not, then don't go to it when you don't need to go to it. 
Let Lewerke do his thing. It looks like when you when he lets the game come to him, like when he gets a couple runs in early and then just kind of settles down, he's on his money. He's making good passes, making good decisions when it comes to needing to run. First half, it looked like he didn't want to run the ball. Like it looked like he would rather pass the ball and go for the bigger play than take the safe run and potentially just pick up a first down. And then in the second half, we did see him take off running more. We did see less of the run game being forced. We still saw the run game. We still saw them handing it off to LJ Scott and doing the option to Connor Hayward. And, you know, it worked when it worked, but that wasn't all the time. For them to be Arizona State next week in the desert, I think you got to let Lewerke loose. Let him spread it around because he's got a great receiving core. I think one of the best in the Big Ten, if not the country. You know, sorry about my homer take there. You know, Felton Davis is going to go up and get the ball. Cody White's going to get open. He's going to make big plays. Daryl Stewart, he's fast. We see Jalen Naylor, true freshman, playing. Cam Chambers is big. You got to spread it around to the tight ends. Got to let Lewerke, let the game come to him. Get him a couple runs early to settle him down a bit because I think he still has that young player mentality, even though he's a leader on this team. So that's what I want to see. LJ Scott, it looked like he's been studying Le'Veon Bell's tape because you almost saw him being, like, too patient with the run, you know? Like, he got the ball, and it looked like he was taking a second to decide where he wanted to go. And quite a few times it was detrimental to him against Utah State. Like, there were holes open immediately. It looked like he waited a little too long, and then those holes closed up. What could have been a first down ended up being, like, a two-, three-yard gain. That's where Connor Hayward was different. Like, Connor Hayward just got the ball, and he was kind of like the complete opposite. He didn't look where he was going. He was just running full speed ahead, which was fine against Utah State. Don't know if it'll work against Big Ten opponents, but, you know, it worked. It worked against Utah State. I would like to see them kind of both learn from each other. I would like to see LJ Scott be more direct. I love I love that he's trying to be more patient because I was an issue early on in his career. And it looks like he's, you know, holding the ball high and tight. I like that. But I want to see him be more direct. Go towards the hole when it's there. If it's not there, then, like, that's when you can wait. Be patient. Let it develop. But, you know, he doesn't have the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line like Le'Veon Bell does. And then Connor Hayward, I just like him to, to watch where he's going because it looked like he just put his head down, ran straight forward. It did get him two long touchdown runs, but, <laughs> you know, it's not going to work all the time. Defense, I really have no issue. Um, I don't think they're going to be at the top of their game until Josiah Scott comes back. I thought um, defensive ends played fine, especially Kenny Willekes got two sacks. I thought he he showed improvement from last year, which is great. Still think the linebacking core is good. Um, you know, I what? <laughs> Joe Bocci sucks. Bocci the worst, man. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe he's on scholarship. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm worried about Arizona State on the road at night in the desert. Um, I think the key to the game against Arizona State is going to be keeping the big plays on defense to a minimum. I think they did a good job of that against Arizona State – or against Utah State, sorry. Um, Arizona State runs more of the big play offense. They don't run that dink and dunk stuff that we saw Friday night. Um, so I'm worried about the, the corners opposite Justin Lane. I thought we'd see uh, Kalen Gervin and Xavier Henderson on Friday night. We didn't see them yet. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, I want to see – what's his name? Uh, Butler play better uh, opposite Justin Lane. 
And then, like I said, let Lewerke loose. Let him do his thing. Let him let the game come to, come to him. And I think that's how you win. I think that's how you win Saturday night. And Michigan, I think they're going to do what they do. They they blow out younger, smaller opponents, you know? Like, we see them blow out Hawaii and Air Force usually and, like, you know, UCF when they're bad. I, I think we'll see a, a slaughter in the big house on Saturday, at least in the second half probably. That's my, my – that's my thoughts. Yeah, um – me, it just it's irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm still down on the Notre Dame game. It's Western. You know what I'm saying? They, they, this is the team that they, that they should be slaughtering in or out of the big house. It's the teams like Notre Dame, teams like Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. I, I want to see them. You know what I'm saying? These teams, you know, they're relevant to me. Who knows if I'll even watch Saturday. I'll watch right. Saturday. But, you know... Uh, that's how I feel about it. I, I need them to step up in those big games. Not, you know, in Western, they, against Western, they, you know what you have to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Get up big so they can, like, this is almost like one of those things where they need to get up big so they can start rotating in these players, these these red-shirted freshmen who, you know, like I said, the rule change, take advantage of it. Yeah. But that's what I want to see from Michigan on a, a Saturday. I just want to see them. I think just yeah. get their identity, you know, get their identity, get their chemistry, understand what they want and can do and cannot do. You know, they need to, they need so. to just get a win. Like they, they've lost four straight going back to last year. That's not a stat you want to see. You don't want to see four no. straight losses. First time since the Rich Rodriguez era that you had four straight losses in Ann Arbor. <laughs> not fun. Well, yeah. Those are our takes on college football. We'll definitely come back next uh, week to talk about Michigan State and Michigan again. But, you know, this is this is uh, Dears for Radio. We don't just talk sports. Me and Joe, we like to talk non-sports, especially movies, especially comic book movies, Star Wars movies. This year, this year, my bad, this show, we try to go a little different. Joe came up with this idea of having – your five top MCU uh, um, that's Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Um, I took it a little step further. I said, you know what? Iron Man 07 to me was pretty much the start of, you know, linking all the Marvel movies together from there on out in the MCU world with the post scenes and everything. There are some, you know, ones that are in the in the Marvel universe that aren't really linked to like the Avengers and Iron Man or whatever or whatnot. So I kind of made a deadline, Iron Man 07. So I said, Joe, let's do five show five movies pre Iron Man 07 Marvel that you like, and five post Iron Man 07, and then three that you just wish that Marvel did not make at all. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Joe. So give me your first pre-Iron Man 07 top five movies. Uh, Number five, I would say Spider-Man 3. (laughs) I know I got a lot of flack, but I love the original Spider-Man trilogy. I grew up with it. Um, That one was cheesy as all hell. It was kind of bad. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, but I'd rate it. I'd say it's still top five pre-Iron Man movies. 
Yeah. For me, number five for pre-Iron Man movies would be The Punisher with Thomas Jane. Nice. Um, I, I, I'm a really big fan of The Punisher. I like the uh, John Bluthenthal that, play, that plays him on um, Netflix. I think he's probably, to me, the best Punisher there has been. You know, they had they – had, uh, you know, Ray Stevenson play him, you know, that was, uh, they had, uh, Dolph Lundgren playing back in the day, which was something new. Cause you really, you know, didn't see too many superhero movies, you know, but that one went like straight to like TV type movie. Yeah. But I think Thomas Jane's, uh, Punisher really showed like how gruesome his family went and why he would be the Punisher, you know? And, you know, John Travolta was in it. He wasn't really, you know, too bad in it. You know, I had a good storyline. And, uh, and it was just classic Punisher. It was just, you know, guns and hatchets. So that's one of my favorite pre-07 Iron Man movies. Put that at number five. Gotcha. For number four, I'm going to go with the first X-Men movie. I thought I thought that one was very good. Obviously, we're introduced... Um, to all the classic comic book characters for the first time on screen. Um, obviously, Hugh Jackman playing Logan. You know, start of something special there. Oh, no, absolutely, man. That's a that's a good pick. For number four, I have the first Fantastic Four movie. All right. Now, I, I, I liked when, what's his face? Chris Evans, is that his name? Yeah. Played John played uh uh what's his face um uh storm is that, is that his name uh that's the character's name i don't remember Human actually Torch. i was the fire guy <laughs> yeah i can't think of his like his alter ego name but yeah dude i think he played a great uh great person for that job i think they they casted that cast very well you know even even dr doom i, I like that the whole fantastic four the first one is just what Fantastic Four should have been this whole time, but oh yeah. For number three, I went with the first Spider-Man movie. Um, I'm probably going to reference these Spider-Man movies the most in the in my top five pre-Iron Man movies. Um, classic origin story. We all know the Spider-Man origin. I thought they played it off well. Introduced the Green Goblin with a great performance by Willem Dafoe. Um, that comes in top three yeah. for me. Nice, dude. My uh, my third in the pre Iron Man 07 movies is Blade. You know, what I'm saying we just uh, we just heard some news that uh, they're trying to bring Blade back into the MCU, and uh, Wesley Snipes is pushing hard to play play uh, Blade. I've heard recastings. It's gonna be might be Jamie Fox, but you know, if I feel like if if your boy, you know, Wesley Snipes is still, you know, able to do it physically, why not leave Blade as Wesley Snipes? I don't see Blade being anybody but Wesley Snipes. Oh, yeah. So that was my thing. Oh, yeah. Number two, um, going back to the Spider-Man trilogy, I'm going Spider-Man 2. Uh, was my favorite out of those three Spider-Man movies. We see Dr. Octopus. Um we see the rise and fall and rise again of Spider-Man, you know, classic superhero stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Nice, definitely. For number two, for me, I think it was number four for you was the original X-Men movie. You know, I think uh, what you said about, you know, 
bringing the characters kind of like off the paper on the screen, you know, minus m- minus the, the the cool, you know, leotard outfits mm-hmm. that they actually wore. Um, yeah, I, I feel like they, you know, they got it pretty much on point. So I'm putting X Men as my number two. Nice. For number one, I go X Men two, X Men United. Uh, I love the introduction of um. Oh damn, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, the blue guy. Shit. Uh, Beast. Yeah, yeah. Beast. Uh, Hank McCoy. No, no, it wasn't Beast. It was the. Uh... Ah, shit. I'm I'm drawing a blank on him, but um, I thought that was the best pre-Iron Man movie in the Marvel in the Marvel productions, I guess. Um, Nightcrawler. Oh, that's it. Thank you. Yes. Sorry, it's been it's been a few years since I've read up and rewatched those movies. Yes, Nightcrawler. Thank you. I thought that was a good casting choice by them. I don't know the actor's name, but he was great at it, you know. <clears throat> and we saw we saw the the first time we see um Magneto and Dr. X, Dr. X, uh Mr. Xavier kind of team up a little bit even though he's still trying to like play mind games with them and everything. Um yeah, I thought I thought that was the best pre-Iron Man Marvel movie. Nice. Me, I'm gonna go like totally nostalgia because it's one of the first movies, Marvel movies that I've ever seen in my life. It came out in '86. I was three. I probably saw it probably when I was around six. Was the second Marvel movie made Howard the Duck, and you know we saw a good cameo of Howard the Duck in the first post scenes of guardians of the galaxy and it was voiced by seth green i believe yep so i don't know if they're gonna bring howard duck back but howard the duck to me was one of my favorite movies growing up so nostalgic purposes howard the duck is my favorite (laughs) pre iron man marvel i mean it's like 30 years pre but i love I love that movie, or 20 years pre, but I love that movie. So, okay. Howard the Duck, my number one pre-Iron Man 07 movie. That's a little surprising to me, not going to lie. Yes. All right, um, I'll let you lead off with your five favorite movies post-Iron Man. So, in the, in the current... Post-Iron Man. So, the current MCU, I got to go... Um, number five, I'm going to go with the first Iron Man movie. I mean, it was... You know, it was a great kind of like a almost an origin story. It kind of was. It kind of was an origin yeah. story. We we find out you know, what happened to Tony's chest. His you know the first Iron Man armor. They kind of paid homage to that with you know his little when he was captured by you know the Taliban or whatever. And he made that suit and yeah. escaped and whatever and whatnot. It was kind of like a good start to it. And to me, the biggest thing was you know I, I'm an '80s kid. You know, I'm an 80s baby, 90s kid. I grew up seeing a lot of Robert Downey Jr. And, you know, you you see these actors or, like, you know, these famous people at their lowest. And this dude was at his lowest, man. And I feel like Iron Man brought that man back. You know what I'm saying? And Iron Man brought Marvel, you know, to the precipice and the peak it is now. So I think Iron Man was big, not only for Robert Downey Jr., but for the Marvel world, and it's kicked into what we see. It's It, it, it started the bar. You know, it may not have raised it, but it started the bar. So Iron Man is my top five. I'd say it raised the bar. Current. 
aside from like the Dark Knight and Batman Begins, I'd say that was at the time the best standalone superhero movie out. Uh, but for me, I'm going to go a little bit later in the MCU, and my number five is Ant Man. Uh, great performance by Paul Rudd. It was there were some hilarious moments, um, and it was kind of an obscure superhero. Like, not a lot of people were familiar with Ant Man. Like, even before the Marvel Universe got back to where it is now, like, people still knew about Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, what have you. The Hulk, obviously. Um, yeah, Ant Man was one that wasn't as well known, and they made a great movie out of it, I thought. And the sequel was good, too. Yeah, most definitely. And if, for my fourth, um, I have the original Avengers movie. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was the, it was the first time, you know, everyone was excited where they brought, you know, more than two superheroes together, you know, to form a team. You know what I'm saying? So we had a, you, have, you have a lot of, you have a lot of characters. You have a, a, a lot of good actors coming together. It's almost like, you know, not a standalone Iron Man movie, but, you know, a bunch of movies brought into one into one big old, you know, movie, and then it, and then it, you know, snowballed into other Avengers movies. But I think the Avengers first one is, you know, kind of set the precedence for superhero squad type movies. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was so much buildup around that one. That one was great. For me, number four, um, my favorite type of movies are the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I gotta go Guardians of the Galaxy two. I thought it was a fine sequel. I thought it was entertaining, exciting, hilarious, everything I want in my superhero movies. And it, it helped me grow with the characters and it helped, helped me like learn to love a lot of the characters, you know? Oh, oh, oh yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. Um, for my third, actually, I have the Guardians. Uh, uh, I love Guardians 1 because it it was something different. It was. You know what I'm saying? It was, you know, now, now you're, now you're going outside of the earth, you know, realm. You're going into, you know, other, you're going into the galaxy, you know, and, you know, uh, what's his face? Star Lord's whole, you know, beginnings from earth is while they're dying. You know, it's a great story. It's a sad story. End of the movie. He, you know, he opens his box. It's volume two. So you know that there's going to be another, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but it leaves you wanting more because you want to know how, how the hell did Peter Quill grab the Infinity Stone? How do he do it if he is human? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it left you, left you thinking. It left you wanting more. And I think every time the Guardians of the Galaxy, they grace the screen, people want more. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah. an intriguing cast. They're an intriguing bunch. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that for the Avengers 4, which is Infinity Wars 2, whatever, however you want to look at it, they, uh, Batista came back and shot some of his Drax scenes. But Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I believe, is still on hold. We don't know what's going on with that, but we will see Drax and the Guardians in Avengers 4, which is good news. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, like you said, every time the Guardians grace the screen – it they're an endearing bunch you know and for me number three would be infinity war that just came out i love that movie we talked about how the first avengers movie was the first time we saw you know the coming together of four separate heroes this was 
the coming together of the whole universe of those heroes. Like, not just Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hulk, Black Widow, Hawkeye. I mean, Hawkeye wasn't in it. Um, but Spider-Man is in there now. And Black Panther, which was a great movie on its own. Great character, great universe there. The Guardians of the Galaxy are in there. Doctor Strange. Just so many different characters all engulfed into one movie. It was so much to take in, and it was great. Yes, and you know, you know, I was reading about uh, Hawkeye since you mentioned he wasn't in it. Um, they said Hawkeye is gonna, I think, might play a big role in Avengers Four or Infinity Wars Two. I don't know what is right, but they're saying he at the time of this uh, Infinity Wars movie, he was he's in training to become Ronin. You know what I'm saying? Which is like the ultimate ninja badass. arrow thrower so we might see something different from him we might see him with some kind of superpower too so i wouldn't count out hawkeye because you know everyone makes fun of hawkeye you know right. they're like why is this guy in the defenders he just shoots arrows really good but i, I think they're gonna I, I think they need they need to i'm gonna say right now they need to expand on his character a little bit more because he has a cooler backstory than just shooting arrows and taking care of his family but uh, for number two, I have uh, Thor Ragnarok. This was one of my favorite Marvel movies. I think the humor, the action, everything was there. I think Takaki, Takai, uh, Taikai Waikiki. Yeah, is Taikai Waikiki. You know, he just he he has he has his own Funko Pop now. I might get it. Um, but. I, I think he's one hell of a director. I think this is the guy that needs to take over the Guardians of the Galaxy if they do not go forward with bringing back gun, um, which I don't think they will. I think they'll stick to their guns. <laughs> no pun intended. But I think, I think this guy is the guy that needs to step up if they do not go that route. Um, I love Thor Ragnarok. I think, I, I think it was, you know, out of the norm of being a regular superhero movie, you know, we say that, that, that that's why it captivated me. Just kind of like the kind of the Guardians of the Galaxy had the same kind of feel to it. You know, where it, it was it was both humor, both action, and both and, and serious when it needed to be. Um, I think Hulk played such a good, uh, you know, supporting role in that in that movie. But you know, um, we're we're, we're going to see what happens in the, you know Infinity War too. But that was line number two, Thor Ragnarok. Well, Sasha, for number two, I also had Thor Ragnarok. Man, oh, that was a movie like from. It's very inception. Like you saw, I saw the commercial for it um, while I was in theaters watching Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And for me, the first two Thor movies were not up to par with like the rest of the MCU. And then I saw the preview for that and I thought, wow, that looks like a captivating movie. That's one I want to see. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, it, it lived up to all the expectations I thought it should have. Yeah, great movie. Like, it's it's fun. It's different. It's it's captivating. You know, right? Did not disappoint. You know, I, I enjoyed every second of it. So good. But I'm gonna go with my number one because this dude is my number one. I love him, dude. Give me some tacos. Give me some enchiladas so I can jump on a unicorn and <laughs> fly off into the sunset. My dude, Deadpool. I think Ryan Reynolds and uh, God. I can't think of the guy's name. 
the dude who directed it. He's on Silicon Valley. Oh yeah. my god, I'm drawing a blank. Miller, TJ Miller. I think them fighting for Deadpool to be rated R and and be nothing but what Deadpool is supposed to be. Oh man, they they captured the hearts and love of so many Deadpool fanboys, especially this one. I you know I praise TJ Miller and Ryan Reynolds for needing, needing, wanting, having to do this movie being rated R and being Deadpool in all of his Deadpool glory. Mm-hmm. So Deadpool is my favorite, probably probably my favorite Marvel movie of all time. So yeah, for me, um, number one on my list is the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like, I wasn't super into Marvel beforehand. Like, they kind of had their formula, and they were sticking to it almost every movie. And I was honestly getting bored with them. But then, summer of 2014, and the first Guardians movie comes out, and it's refreshing, and it's different, it's fun. And just, like, so many things are just so pleasing to me. Like, the composition of the colors is just so different and pleasing to the eyes and the characters are all different. Like they're kind of like the Avengers, but they're so much different, so much more different. And like Ant-Man, they were kind of obscure at the time. Like nobody really knew about the guardians of the galaxy heading in. And to me, like the intro scene, or at least the, the title scene, you know, when uh, we see Quill, Star-Lord, whatever you want to call him, capturing the orb and he's like dancing along to uh the song and it's it, it sets the mood and the tone for the rest of the movie and really the mcu since has been so much different and so much better than beforehand yeah, yeah guardians of the galaxy nice nice five joe well we got we got our, ten, we got our five pre we got our five post or during now let's flip to the three that you wish never got made at all. Joe, I'm gonna let you take this one away. Okay. So for this one, I'm just gonna name all three right off the top, if that works. Good. All right. My three to just scrape away from Marvel would be X Men: The Last Stand. Um, I don't. I think that one speaks for itself. Iron Man three. Didn't really tie into the rest of the MCU. Didn't really, like, make a difference. And it just, I don't know, overall wasn't as captivating or entertaining as the first Iron Man movie or any of the other movies Iron Man has been in. And then, uh, thirdly, uh, Thor The Dark World. Uh, Like I said, before the Guardians of the Galaxy movies came out, I was getting bored with Marvel, and Thor The Dark World was a big part of that for me. You got interesting ones, Joe, because I didn't mind the Dark World too much. Okay. Um, Iron Man three is that the one with Whiplash? No, that's Iron Man two. Okay. See, I didn't like Iron Man two that much. I didn't. I take too much on the Whiplash, dude. But my three were, and I'll do it in in this row. Okay. One, two, and three. That's how I kind of rank them. Um, ben Affleck's Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. He ruined. Thank God that uh, the Netflix. I, I can't think of his name. Charlie. Charlie Dunn. I think his name might be the guy who plays uh, 
Daredevil on the Netflix. Thank God, man. He he resurrected Daredevil for me. I hated Daredevil for the longest time, and it was because of this movie. Ben Affleck killed it. Um, he, he, I must say he's better at being Batman. I hated him as a blind lawyer, uh, Matt Murdock. Um, yeah, Daredevil. I, I I wish they could just scrape that away one away. Uh, another one I wish they could just scrape away is the the newest Fantastic Four movie. The one where Michael B. Jordan played uh, uh, the Human Torch. Yep, yep. Not really big on switching around. You know, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but not really big at switching around races when it comes to uh, you know superheroes. I'm big on like making a new one, like like that. they have Spider Man, like they have like Peter Parker Spider Man, and they have the new Miles Morales Spider Man is you know half black. Half uh, a Latino kid. That's cool. You're making a whole different I guy. Get that. You're taking. It's kind of like pandering when you just like switch midstream. Like, you know, I get that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, and especially when like Invisible Woman's his sister and she's a white chick. It's like, we are, are they okay? Are they adopted? Are they half brother and sister? You know, I I don't understand what's going on here. I don't like that. Um, that's like. You know, that's almost like saying, hey, Blade movie coming out. Oh, it's going to be Brad Pitt's playing Blade. It's like, no, right? it's not how it should go. But that's just, that's where I think they kind of lost me right there. Um, I didn't even see the movie because I didn't even want to see the movie. That's how, like, uninspiring I am to see the movie. And this is coming from a dude who liked the first Fantastic Four movie. I think it was, you know, it was spot on. Right. I think they kind of ruined and it. And obviously, the first... that's nothing against Michael B. Jordan. He's He's great. Oh, he's great, dude. I mean, I mean, Michael B. Jordan's killmonger to me, bro. You know, he's he's great in that movie. I liked him better than I liked uh, uh, Black Panther, yeah. but that's another thing. And then, the, and then my third most hated Marvel movie was the first Hulk movie, the one with Eric Banner. Oh yeah, yep. Oh my god, that one just dragged on, dragged on, and the whole fight scene with the dogs and the poodles, <laughs> it was just. It, it was just too much for me. Um, I, didn't like, I did not like that, that first Hulk movie. The color of the Hulk in that movie was like, it was like leafy green, you know? It looked like um, the green giant on the green beans can, you know? Like, right. Like, the movie itself was terrible, but just the Hulk, the way he looked, his color, it was, it was not pleasing to the eyes at all. Right. All right, yeah. But yeah, those are, those are MCU favorites, favorites, and ones that we just wish they just could blow up and never have made it and save their money and, and budget it towards, you know, good Marvel. But um, there's more to come. So yeah. we, we should be probably doing more of these later on in our lives. So I don't think MCU is slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. I like I like that we had very different lists for all three. I think that's nice. I think that gives perspective. Not to pat absolutely back, maybe maybe nice. maybe we can dip into DC or something next week or something. Yeah, I honestly have not kept up with DC for the last I don't know five years. So that might be a shorter list, but yeah. Yeah, we could. You know, they they've had some good ones out. I mean, you can. Batman, you know, you can go to the Justice Leagues. I mean, I mean, there's pre 
pre-Batman movies. I mean, your one of your favorite uh, uh, movies of all time is you know the Michael Keaton Batman's, right? You know, so yeah. So I think we've covered yeah, everything we want to get to. Um, sorry for all our Homer takes. I hope we kept you all awake, and we wish you a happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. This is Beards for Radio. I'm Sasha. And I'm Joe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar Fashion, Clothing, and Design. 100% original. Visit far-ebar.com to add the next great addition to your wardrobe.